0: Hello, this is New Books in Southeast Asian Studies, coming to you via iTunes and the web. I'm Nick Cheesman, a member of the Institute for Advanced Study, Princeton. Today's guest is Patrick Jory, Senior Lecturer in Southeast Asian History at the University of Queensland, who is joining us to discuss Thailand's Theory of Monarchy, the Waisantara Jataka and The Idea of the Perfect Man, published in 2016 by State University of New York Press and forthcoming in paperback in 2017. Patrick, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Nick. Let's get started with a thumbnail and unproblematized sketch of the Wesantara Jataka for listeners unfamiliar with either this Jataka or the Jataka stories in general. First of all, what are the Jataka and why do they matter?
1: Okay, well, the Jatakas are also known as birth stories. They're stories of the incarnations of the Buddha before he became the Buddha, that is, when he was uh, a bodhisattva, uh, what is known as a bodhisattva, a future Buddha. Uh, the Jatakas uh, form part of the, the Tripitaka, the uh, canonical scriptures of, the, of Theravada Buddhism. There are uh, nominally 550 in number. Um, the visantara Jataka is the final of those 550 Jatakas. So, in other words, it's the story of the Buddha's previous incarnation to the incarnation when he is enlightened as the Buddha. And for that reason, because it's the final or the, or the penultimate incarnation, it's a, it's an extremely important story in the the overall structure of the uh, so the narrative of of the of the Buddha's enlightenment. Um, it's a story of uh, Prince Visantara who performs. Uh, what is known as the perfection of giving, um, and this is one of the the ten perfections that the bodhisattva, that is the future Buddha, needs to achieve before he you know, ha- has reached sort of a state of moral perfection that enables him to become enlightened as a Buddha. And the arguably the uh, the, the most um, important of these perfections, known as the parami in uh, the Pali or the parami the in Thai, um, is uh, the perfection of giving. And in this story. Uh, prince Vasatra gives away everything he has. He gives away the the white elephant of the kingdom uh that uh, which is uh the prince which gets him into trouble with the townsfolk they spare from the kingdom uh he gives away uh, progressively gives away all of his wealth um and uh most uh i guess poignantly he gives away his his own children, his two children Charlie and Gunha and his wife uh, Matsi. And uh, in this great act of giving, he, he achieves perfection of giving, um, and that, so I say, is uh, one of the uh, the, the requirements uh, that he needs to fulfil in order to become enlightened as the as the Buddha in his next incarnation. So, structurally, you could say, it's almost although it's all, you, you can kind of get into trouble with such comparisons, but it perhaps performs a sort of similar role to. You know, the story of the, the crucifixion in Christianity, this, this centrally important story um, in, uh, in, in, um, in this case, in, in uh, the story of, uh, of the Buddha.
0: So who or what got you interested in the topic, and how did it lead to a book-length study?
1: Sure. As you may know, uh, Thai history tends to be quite elite-centric, and the further back you go, the more sort of elitist it is. Part of that is because of the nature of the source material, which tend to be produced by by the court, uh, court scholars, um, and such like. Uh, part of it is because of Thailand's uh, peculiar experience of colonial rule, where it wasn't formally colonised. So there is uh, not a same kind of, sort of popular nationalist nationalism that you find in other Southeast Asian countries, which kind of... Is a kind of a counter to an elite sort of uh, centered history. So I was trying to find. I wanted to write a kind of a sort of a history from below type uh, study, and I was having trouble finding one. Um, and my supervisor, uh, Craig Reynolds, uh, uh, suggested I look at I look at this story of the Santra Jataka, which was well well known. That it is a very was a very popular story in, in Thailand, uh, an important Buddhist scripture, but important not because not not simply because not not simply. Amongst uh, you know learned monks, but it uh, was you know immensely popular at the you know the village level amongst ordinary people. So I thought, aha, okay, here's a here's a chance for me to kind of somehow get hold of a uh, of an expression of, of popular culture, and somehow perhaps I could write a some kind of um, some kind of cultural history from below uh, as a sort of foil to this sort of elitist centri- uh, elitist Type of history that we that is so common in uh, Thai historiography. So that was the original idea that I uh, that set me off on this uh, on this study.
0: What sort of materials did you use, and how did you use them when you were doing research?
1: Yes, well, the, the first thing I did, of course, was to sit down and, and read the thing in the original uh, Thai version. And uh, I don't read Pali, but I obviously read the English version, but I wanted to focus on the, the Thai language materials. Um, so there's a there, there are many versions of this story, and one of the parts, one of the things I look at in the in the book is the um, uh, the, sort of the official versions and sort of various other versions that are, are popular in different parts of the country. So the version I used was the one that was sanctioned by the Thai Ministry of Education, um, and I actually discovered it, it's actually uh, a source of some of the, the best known you know uh, verse, the poetic verse in sort of Thai literature. You know some some chapters, particularly the Chapter when uh, the Santra gives away his two children and, and his wife sort of comes back from the forest and she's sort of you know beside herself because the children have disappeared it's just absolutely the poetry is is very moving uh, so it was you know, it was a you know, it was a good thing to to read from a sort of aesthetic point of view the, the idea that I had would be to was to um, look at different versions of this story in different parts of the country so i'd look'd I'd, I'd, you know I'd seen the version that was compiled by um, the, the Thai court and later on the Ministry of Education, the official version as it were, and I thought, aha, well, I'll, if I look in sort of uh, regional versions, I'll find you know, maybe perhaps a counter-narrative uh, or at least variations which m- might sort of um, might lead me into, you know, sort of understanding this text in a different way. So I I had a, a year's field work in, in Thailand, I went around the country and that's what I did, I sort of collected local versions and, and, and read through them. <laughs> and as happens in PhD research, uh, Things turned out differently. I actually found out it was pretty much the same. You know, wherever you went, that the central narrative and there were the reasons for that. The central narrative was pretty much the same. Where there were variations were in, for example, uh, the descriptions of, of flora and fauna. And actually, this is a really big part of the of the of the, of the, the Satra Jataka, um, which is I, I didn't actually go down this path, but uh, the you know the, the descriptions of 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 the of the forest and the you know the. That the plants and the animals are extremely detailed and, and again quite beautiful aesthetically you know um really aesthetically impressive um so it's part part of this you know corpus of you know knowledge of the environment uh, uh, it, it also has this role but so the, the, the as i say the um uh, what, what what i discovered was that there 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 weren't no real sort of subversive versions of this text although I should say there is another book coming out on the midsan jataka by um catherine Bowie who uh she argues that there, there, there are sort of, there are subversive versions uh of, of a kind um but i i guess i went around a, a different route I, I, I saw this as much more of a of a a, a way that sort of i guess el discourse perhaps has been has been sort of localized throughout you know throughout
0: the kingdom Thanks for flagging uh, Catherine Bowie's uh, forthcoming book. Perhaps we'll have to get both of you on together to discuss that That one. would be fun. Um, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go into the contents of the Jataka a bit more now, and specifically your emphasis upon it as offering a pre-modern theory of monarchy. Uh, this is really the argument that you're making as to what, one of the reasons, at least as to why it became so significant. Can you spell out some of the basic elements of the Buddhist ideology of kingship that you found in the Jataka?
1: Okay, I should maybe preface uh, these comments by saying that one of the most uh, exciting articles for me when I was a PhD student was reading uh, Benedict Anderson's The Idea of Power in Javanese Culture. And although I know know, it's been criticised since. um, But what I thought it did was it enabled you to kind of understand a sort of indigenous sort of theory of of power, of politics, uh, based on um, local, uh, you know, religious and cultural understanding, which had a sort of a textual basis rather than the the tools of modern Western political science. So that was quite inspiring for me. I thought, well, perhaps I can look at, uh, perhaps I could do something similar for, for Thai political culture, um, focusing on, on the Jataka. jataka uh, if, I mean, there, there has actually been quite a lot of uh, literature, scholarly literature written on the Masatric but it's always been presented as a religious tale um, or, or a literary tale, a folk tale. And where I guess sort of departed from that was I, I saw this, the more and more I looked at it um, and the more, I, the more I read this kind of complex of of, of both Buddhist literature and also court literature historiography, um, sort of, you know chronicles and sort of pre-modern historiography, if you like, I could see um, that it was you know, it was related to ideas of, of power, authority, and, and and morality, of course. So this is what set me off on you know I, I wanted I wanted to sort of start off the, the projects to start off by by me wanting to kind of write some kind of counter narrative to uh, sort of a view of Thai history, but in, in the end it, it really. I sort of, I sort of ended up actually kind of looking at this, this, um, uh, theory, what I ended up referring to as, as a theory of monarchy. So, so the the argument is that the, the Fasantra Jataka and this complex of Buddhist literature really provided a sort of a storehouse of ideas for a, uh, a Theravada Buddhist theory of monarchy, which I would argue, or I did argue, um, uh, was present at the Thai court really up until the middle of the 19th century and goes into decline in, in really the second half of the 19th century. According, and according to this, this, this theory of, of monarchy, the Thai kings present themselves as bodhisattvas, that is, as, as Buddhas to be, in the same mode as as, as uh, Prince Vesantra in the Visantara Jataka. That is, they are, they are beings, moral beings, that are on the path towards towards enlightenment. So... Uh, if you look at the, the Jataka stories, stories of the Bodhisattva, commonly they are princes or kings, sometimes a Brahmin, sometimes a merchant, but more often they, they are royalty. So basically these uh this religious literature should be, I argue, uh understood as the pre modern theory of of uh of uh you know monarchical authority. That's the that's the essential argument of the book.
0: And maybe break that down a little bit more. What, was the, what were the nature of the relations between the ruler and his subjects, and they were all men, uh, that, uh, that, that this particular Jadaka is, is trying to get at and, and spell out somewhat um, didactically for the purposes of instruction of the uh, the, the subjects of the kingdom?
1: In the in the jatakas and as I say, in this, this more this broader uh, collection of texts, which uh, you know, uh, from which this, this 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 you know, which are which are related to this this um uh, this understanding of 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 the bodhisattā, uh, the bodhisattā is the most meritorious being in the kingdom. So his he has accumulated merit that is, you know, good deeds over um you know countless lifetimes thousands of lifetimes in theory um so society is uh really um a, a, in in a kind of a moral hierarchy so you have the most meritorious beings on in, in the uh on the top uh led by the bodhisattva at the top and the the, the least meritorious beings uh, at the bottom so you have the you know, the I mean, slaves uh peasants uh, and, and such like um so the the the, the jataka and the jatakas more broadly uh support this this idea that political authority and moral authority are, are one and the same the, the the bodhisattva king is the most uh, the purest being in the kingdom morally pure, the purest being in the kingdom um and that is the moral legitimacy that uh, enables him to to be uh uh to be the, the monarch as well this moral uh, purity also enables him, and this is a point that actually uh, Christine Gray uh, develops in her uh, 1986 uh, thesis um, very well. Um, that this moral purity enables uh, the, the, the kings to see uh, more clearly because they're not you know, uh, under the influence of, of greed, delusion, and all the other vices. They can see more clearly than anyone else. So this develops. Helps develop a theory that the kings are the most, uh, uh, the wisest, most intellectually capable um, people in the kingdom as well. So it essentially kind of uh, creates this uh, this moral, intellectual, and political hierarchy, uh, which operates in the entire kingdom. I would argue up until the you know the coming of European colonial powers.
0: So if you were pressed by someone like me, for instance, um, how would you class this study? Would you say it's um... I mean, your study of the Jataka, is it a a study of comparative political theory or an intellectual history or both or or neither, something else?
1: I was attracted to uh, comparative political theory, but I, to be honest, I I, I dropped it. I felt that uh, it was enough to just, uh, I guess, to write sort of an intellectual theory of this uh, you know, interesting conception of, of monarchy. Um one of the I mean er, early on I, I knew this uh, the Jatakas generally were popular you know, throughout the Theravada regions of Southeast Asia near Sri Lanka as well. Um uh but but I I think you know it would be interesting for a you know a future scholar to, to look at how these um, stories function in for example you know pre modern uh, Myanmar um i I think Cambodia and are closer to the, the Thai tradition uh perhaps also Sri Lanka, but I guess you could say it's much more of an intellectual I mean, a pretty kind of empirical um uh sort of intellectual history rather than uh, an example of you know comparative political uh, comparative political theory study
0: so you 've already mentioned that the book tracks the the rise and decline of the jataka let 's start with the rise. What period are we talking about and what do the extant records show about the relationship between this Jataka and early state formation in mainland Southeast Asia yeah
1: I have a chapter that i mean the main, the main point I wanted to uh, make was that from the very early period of High state formation, we see the Jardikas appear immediately, um, and uh, so so right back in the you know from the sort of 14th century, if not earlier, uh, we see the Jardikas referred to in uh, in inscriptions. Um, there are um, representations of the Jardikas, uh, you know carved in stone, um, and for the by the, the the 15th century, we get the the, the oldest uh, uh, Thai text Thai translated text of the Visantra jataka so whenever we, whenever we see uh, a sort of an expansion of, of of the Thai state or a as we saw in this sort of the late fifteenth century with the kind of you know increasing um, uh, i guess complexity and, and, and sort of a surge in sort of legal codification too under the King Bor- dry Lokanat We see uh, the the Jatakas and the Satra Jataka in particular get a a lot of attention in the uh, the inscriptions uh, from from this period. So there's there's an obvious connection between uh, the political ideas that are being expressed in the the Jatakas and the expansion of the Thai state. And that, that, as I say, from at least the 14th century right up until the early 19th century, we, we see that. So they are. I'm just sort of kind of supported my argument. I hope that uh, this is a text that is uh, politically very important. It's not just um, you know in the realm of of religious or or literary discourse.
0: And what was the secret of its success in its distribution, um, other than its contents? How did it manage to become so popular? they didn't have internet obviously so what was the technology in a sense that was being used to 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 make this jataka widely known and and uh, to make it such a significant part not only of the religious and cultural but also political life of the kingdom
1: yeah in the book i give quite a lot of attention to the um the performative aspect of of this text unlike a lot of buddhist scripture uh, this text was meant to be recited aloud uh, to a popular audience. And as far back as records, almost as far back as records go, uh, this, this is the case. Um, so, you know, we, as I say, from the 15th century, we have the first translated version of the Santra Jataka, uh, the Mahachat Kamluang, which um, obviously, it, when it's translated, it is meant to be recited to an audience that understands Thai, not just to Pali literate um, you know, Buddhist monks. Uh, so as i say, i think th- th- this distinguishes it from a lot of buddhist discourse which is you know uh, purely in, in in pali so it's meant to be uh, recited to, to to an audience um and we um uh, by the you know by, by the 16th 17th century it's clear that there is a, a ritual um that has um that is established if not earlier i mean it's it's almost it's, it's, it's it's almost certain that the, the ritual started earlier, of of uh, reciting this text to an audience, and this became one of the at one stage the the, the, the most important uh, ritual occasion of the of the Buddhist calendar. So every year you would have the text recited in its entirety, all thirteen verses, over the course of the day, and you know the, all the faithful would would come and listen to this text, and the reason that they came to listen well amongst the reasons that they came to listen was that there was another uh, very famous text, the, the pramalai story um, where this 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 Buddhist monk um, you know it's a bit like the Dante story, sort of travels to the he- heavens and travels to the to, to the store, to the hells and uh, in, in heaven he meets the future Buddha, this is praariadra Maitreya, uh, the future Buddha and Maitreya and, and uh, M- Pramalai says ask Maitreya okay, what should I tell the people on earth? Uh, if they want to sort of meet you, you know, in, in the future, and uh, uh, Maitreya tells him, make sure that they listen to the Jataka and make sure they listen to the the thousand canonical verses um, which form part of the Jataka within one day, so this kind of sets out the in a way the um, the the ritual of the Jataka. you have the recitation of these Pali verses. Uh, that, which are supposedly, uh, by tradition, believed to have been uh, uttered by the Buddha himself. Um, so these must be recited in, in one day. If the you know the the, the, the faithful listen to these one thousand verses, then they can be guaranteed that they will, you know, be um, be, be reincarnated in the, the the lifetime of of Maitreya Buddha. So it has this very sort of millenarian uh, element to it. Um, uh, but it wasn't just the uh, the canonical verses, which in part, of which are recited, the, the the translation was always recited as well, so you could understand the actual story. So the whole festival sometimes would, you know, take place o- over seven days. It'd be a, a, an occasion of of great merit making, and this is also another element which makes the story uh, enormously important for the for the monkhood, because the story, the emphasis of the story is on is on merit making, giving giving alms to to the monkhood. So, there's an element of, of self interest here that is the, that the monkhood needs to be you know, sustained materially. And this, this story, um, with its emphasis on the, per- the perfection of giving, <coughs> really is a story that, that really promotes, I guess, really the circulation of wealth from uh, you know, communities in, in, into the monkhood. So, for, for all these reasons, I'm sorry?
0: I was just going to add also, you mentioned. Um in the text, the narrative structure also is important somehow. How did that uh, make it uh, particularly um, useful for the purposes of dissemination, and how did it differ from other religious texts that might be read over a number of days? Certainly this particular Jataka isn't the only one.
1: Uh, Absolutely, and the most famous versions of the uh, the Vasantra Jataka or chapters of the Vasantra Jataka are written some. Either by kings or princes or people in the uh, uh, the, the royal Thai court, uh, we know that it was a uh, kind of like a coming of age ritual for uh, princes to recite the Jataka. It was um, uh, uh, you know one, one of the, the the most important royal ceremonies um, of, of the calendar. So there's a very close association between. Um, you know, the, the, the aristocracy, the nobility, and and the recitation of the Masantra Jataka uh, right from right from the very beginning, and that continues up until uh, the, the late nineteenth century. This association with uh, the Thai elite.
0: So you mentioned a number of features of the, the context of the performance of this Jataka, and, and one of the things I really liked and was really interested in the book was the emphasis that you do place on reading the Jataka. Uh, not in isolation as a doctrinal religious text as other scholars have done, but rather by attending to the social and political conditions in which it was taught and the manner in which it was taught, which you've just spoken to. Uh, Would you like to say anything else about the importance of context, why it matters? And how do you, as an historian, read and research for context?
1: Yeah, I, I think... You, you need to see the, the Jataka within this broader, as I say, complex of, of Buddhist literature, and a kind of like a, a Buddhist historiographical uh, conception that uh, has more or less has, has largely disappeared in, in a way. That is that the and the, the person whose work I uh, used to uh, a- a- outline this. This, this historiographical conception was a, a guy called Nitti or Si Wong, probably Thailand's uh, you know, preeminent historian of the last like, 30 or 40 years. And he looked at how uh, this uh, conception of um, Buddhist history, which goes back to the, the pledge of the, the Bodhisattva who would later on uh, be incarnated finally as Gautama Buddha, the Buddha that, that, you know, that we know. You know, countless incarnations in the past. Uh, he makes a pledge, he's a Brahmin in this early inca- incarnation. He makes a pledge to the Buddha of that time. I think he was the fifth or the sixth Buddha in this series of 20, 25 Buddhas. Uh, he makes a, a pledge at the, the feet of this Buddha, Thip, Thipan, uh, Dipangara, who incidentally is the, the name of the Crown Prince's uh, young son, the Thai Crown Prince's young son uh, today. Uh, he makes a pledge that, you know, in 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 the future, I will become a I will become a I want to become a Buddha. So, uh, and if you look at, uh, you know, Thai or even you know, uh, Lao, uh, some of the, some of the Lao material I looked at as well, some of the northern Thai material. If you look at sort of pre-modern chronicles, they will often start off by this pledge that the bodhisatta made um, to Dipankara, Tip and yeah, the, the Jataka So it fits into this this schema of, of the bodhisattva, you know, accumulating uh, merit, accumulating the perfections over countless incarnations, up until the Jataka, which is the, the very you know the penultimate incarnation before he becomes a Buddha. So, so this is kind of the central historical narrative for you know the Theravada Buddhists up until the late 19th century, and Nitti kind of shows how the life went. When, you know, books which Sort of buddhist literature which talk about the life of the buddha uh, prior to the, about the mid-19th century the actual human lifetime of the buddha took up a very small part of this story it was actually these, these you know, incarnations prior to that it was the stories in the jatakas and then there's this is rather sort of short section which talks about the human lifetime of the buddha by the uh mid-19th century and, and later on it's the, the the human life of the buddha that gets central attention and the earlier uh, or or, the, or the, uh, the early incarnations are gradually sort of hived off, as it were, and Nitti argues that this is a, uh, a kind of a sign of, of a much more humanistic and modern understanding of uh, uh, of the and of the individual, which is reflected in, in the stories of the lifetime of the Buddha. So part of what the book is about is, is showing how this pre-modern conception of Buddha's history in a way you know comes into crisis uh by the second half of the 19th century uh related to um the coming of the european colonial powers and a new conception of of, of a new historical conception uh and a new conception of the history of the thai state as well
0: i think you've pretty much asked the next question yourself let's just keep moving with that point uh, what tell us something more about the decline of this jataka what were the implications with the coming of the europeans and uh, yeah. how did the well still the ruling uh, thai monarchy deal with this situation this is really the crux of the book uh,
1: i for a long time as you know many phd students will have the experience you you you're not quite sure what what you're doing and then then one day I found this article by uh, King Julio And it was quite an extraordinary article uh, written in um, the early 19- 1902, I think it was, uh, where he basically discredits the Jatakas as a genre of, of literature, no, as a genre of, of, of Buddhist literature, saying they're basically just folk tales. Uh, you shouldn't take them too seriously. Yeah, they're enjoyable read. Um, they form part of the corpus of Thai literature, but they you know, they're full of all kinds of you know, miraculous events, which no one you know, believes anymore. And for me, who had read you know, the the early literature, which for which the Jataka's were this central you know, component of, of 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 the of Buddhist understanding, it was quite remarkable. So that kind of I thought that that was the sort of the gotcha moment, if you like, where I thought, okay, I, I, I might have a thesis here um, that there's the, the Jataka's have gone through this. This, this period of crisis where the, the Thai court, um, which had promoted these stories as being really stories about, you know, about what it is to be the ideal ruler, were being rejected at, at the highest levels. Um, and then, there are two kind. I mean, it, it, I think it's a complex process. It takes place both on a uh, the level of monastic scholarship and uh uh, and it's obviously related, related, related to the, uh, the the changing sort of geopolitical situation in Southeast Asia with the coming of the European colonial powers, the coming of of you know Western education, Western knowledge, and the uh, the need for the Thai court to uh, engage with and to a certain extent kind of transform themselves in a way uh, that would enable them to survive this this period. So at a monastic level, as I outline in the book we see uh, there is a, uh, a strand of Buddhist scholarship associated actually with King Dilongkorn's father, King, King Mongkut, when he was a, uh, in, in the monkhood, which he actually starts up this very famous reformist Buddhist order, the, the Tamayut, uh, which later on becomes a, a sort of a, a political vehicle for him really um, to kind of secure the, uh, the throne later on. But this, the, the Tamayut uh, uh, scholars, uh, take a much more uh, critical view of, of the Jātakas. They are the, uh, the, the the sect, if you like, that um, abandons the recitation of of the Vaisampayana Jātaka. Quite a um, uh, quite a, a radical thing to do. Even though King Mankud himself, he kind of like, I guess, as as kings have to do, they sort of have to make compromises. And he actually composed a version of uh, of the Vaisampayana Jātaka, and he sort of you know, recited it. Um, as part of his sort of coming of age ritual, but by that time we could we could sort of see within uh, Thai a, a certain uh, strand of Thai monastic scholarship the Jatakas were falling into disfavor, and this continues uh, through the uh, the late nineteenth century. There's a there's another strand of monastic scholarship, which, or of Buddhist scholarship, I should say, which becomes very important. That is uh, when uh, Western scholars uh, start uh, investigating and examining um, Buddhist uh buddhism uh w- which they encounter mostly through um uh, you, know, th- you know through the, the colonization of, Bu- of buddhist countries so uh you're getting people like uh the, the famous one is, is reese david's book on, on on the buddhist birth stories which is the first kind of full-length little study of, of the jatakas which um kind of re- which again uh, portrays the jatakas more as a uh, a storehouse of of folk literature uh, that came from you know India uh, in the you know the, the, the periods before the the common uh, the period before the common Era uh, rather than any uh, sort of meaningful um, uh, sort of uh, Buddhist literature and it turns out that the uh, Thai uh, uh, monastic scholars at the court level were reading this uh, scholarship as well reading this you know the English language uh, scholarship on 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 the Jatakas and on other sort of related texts uh, which are quite disparaging of the of the, the type of Buddhism if you like that is presented in the in the Jatakas. And it turns out that King Jula essay was was basically modelled on Rhys David's uh, study of uh, of the Jatakas so this is a case of uh, uh, a Buddhist kingdom, scholars of, of, of a Buddhist kingdom actually taking up the uh, Western uh, Buddhist scholarship produced by these colonial scholars, uh, which had, which for whom the, the Jatakas were weren't the real Buddhism, uh, and it got to the to an extent where in the 1893 uh, publication of the first uh, Tripitaka, that uh, corpus of canonical uh, Theravada Buddhist scriptures. Uh, published in the Thai script uh, the first ever publication of the Buddhist canonical scriptures in the Thai script they omitted uh, the, the Jataka book and a number of other books which are related to to the Jataka book, which showed you that showed you the how how the Jatakas have been discredited uh, within uh, uh, both the sort of elite Thai scholarship as well as sort of international um, uh Buddhist scholarship, you know, people involved with the Pali Tech Society and, and others. So we could sort of see that there's a sort of a scholarly uh movement against the legitimacy of of the Jatakas. So I, I outlined that in the book. But I think the other, the other aspect of it was the, the political ideas that the Jatakas uh helped promote, the idea of the Bodhisattva king by the uh the late nineteenth century, the you know, the uh with with the colonial pressures on the Thai court. The Thai th- these ideas were seen to be were ridiculed in fact by um by you know Western colonial scholars and the Thai uh the Thai monarchy, the Thai court, uh undergoes this transformation by which they start to present themselves in, in a different way Uh, in in the manner of a, I guess you could say, sort of enlightened, if you like, enlightened uh, European-style monarchy. So this is is a period in which um, uh, both the canonical uh, legitimacy of the Jadakas is discredited, as well as the the ideas that the Jadakas helped uh, sustain and promote. uh, They they are rejected by by the Thai court at, at the highest levels.
0: This is really one of the the really rich parts of the text and there are so many layers that we could go into that we don't have time to cover. But speaking of time, one of the subsidiary points that caught my eye that I'd be really interested to hear about from you briefly is how with the uh, idea of historical time and the sense of history as a discipline, the notion of what the Jatakas were and their place in relation to other texts changed. Do you, would you like to comment on that before we move on to other topics? That's right. Um,
1: so within this uh, pre-modern Buddhist conception of time, the Jatakas were actually central because they told the story of the Bodhisattva before he becomes the Buddha. And they told this, this absolutely central story of the Bodhisattva accumulating the perfections, the parami. The uh, which was the prerequisite to becoming to, to perfecting yourself to such a level where you could become enlightened as a Buddha. So they they're just they're central to uh, you know, the story of, of 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 Buddhism and the story of the the person of the Buddha. Uh, but within historical time, uh, and this is something that that the rest David and other um, European scholars are, are trying to show that that there is, they actually on on historical and and sort of textual grounds, you know, critical textual grounds. Uh, they are th- there is no historical veracity, um, and you know, J- 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 Longhorn takes this up uh, himself. He's saying by saying that you know th- th- these stories they're not true. They're just they're just they're just folk tales. So a new kind of criterion of historical truth is uh, is, is, is is accepted really by by, by, by the Thai court at, at this time, uh, by which the Jataka's can no longer be accepted as historical truth Um, but it's very difficult for the you know I think it's it's a case in which all uh, modernizing colonized countries face where they uh, uh, it's very hard to completely reject your own tradition and accept this this foreign uh, cultural religious tradition Uh, but you need to kind of, I guess, repackage it or manage it in a different way. And what happens with the Jataka's is that they are repackaged. And I would say, you know, King Tuda Longhorn and uh, the scholarly elite at this time, this is what they try and do, is they repackage the Jataka's as as folk tales, essentially, as you know, not 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 true stories, uh, but folk tales which are kind of kind of the, the part of the corpus of Thai literature. And because there's so many of them, you can't you can't ignore ignore them. Um, they they are just um, Everyone knows these stories. You can't uh, you can't completely reject them, but but what you can do is to uh, re- represent them as being part of the literary uh, heritage, if you like, of the Thai of the Thai nation. This is the era where uh, ideas of the Thai nation are starting to be um, uh, starting to form, uh, and so this is the way that the, the Jatakas are, are represented. And there's this, as I talk about in the book, there's a sort of publication project. Um, that uh, you know, publishes these stories as as folk tales, essentially. With and, and the, you know, the the publications are accompanied almost always by um, as this happens in in Thailand uh, with a an, an, with the essay by, by King Tuda saying how the Jataka should be read, not as you know, true stories, nothing really to do with Buddhism, but as um, uh, you know as folk tales, which are an enjoyable read and part of uh, Thailand's literary heritage.
0: All right. Now, you said earlier on that you were interested in thinking through uh, the Jatakas, also the storytelling from below. And we went through all of the earlier um, periods in which the Jatakas were so much a part of people's daily lives and the Wasantara Jataka in particular. So was there any pushback from different parts of the country, perhaps, Uh, hinterland regions that weren't yet well integrated with the administration at the centre? Did people object to these attempts to rationalise and transform their understanding of the Jatakas in ways that uh, were different from how they'd practised them for so long? Um, uh, Did they remain impervious? Did the old practices continue despite the efforts of Bangkok or did Bangkok in fact succeed?
1: Yeah, this is a good question, and it's I have been sort of criticised on these grounds too. Uh, I think Justin McDonald has written some good stuff on this. Um, like a lot of the reforming efforts uh, embarked upon by the Thai court, um, they're most effective you know, at at the centre, uh, but the further out of the, the royal city you go, uh, the less effective uh, they are. And it appears that uh, you know in in, in, in the countryside. The, where obviously the majority of the population lived, uh, the uh, Jatakas and the central Jataka also, you know, remained as popular forever. Uh, remained as popular as ever, you know, for for, for a long time. Over time, uh, I think e- even you know, in the last uh, three or four decades, e- even in the provinces, its popularity has has uh, has declined. Um, but uh, much more slowly than uh, one might have um, expected. Uh, so it, it begins with, you know, the, the, these this quite strong efforts by the Thai court at the you know the turn of the, the 20th century. Um, but it, it takes quite a long time before uh, the, uh, the the Jadikas and the beliefs which they uh, espouse sort of fade in the uh, in the rural areas. And that's sort of the point that I, c- I come back to in the
0: uh, so the final chapter. Well, let's move to that final chapter. And um, in that final chapter, among other things, uh, you end the book uh, by saying that we might look upon the recently passed away King Bhumipon as Thailand's modern wesantara. Would you care to explain?
1: Yes. So the uh, the book is kind of, uh, the, the focus of the book is really this this pivotal. Moment where um, the, the Jataka is rejected and, and sort of uh, represented as, as as folk tales, and at this very moment of obviously that the Thai monarchy is trying to transform itself, as I say, into the uh, um, along the lines of, of the model, you know, progressive, modernising, enlightened uh, European monarchs, and I I, I think the older the older idea of, of monarchy which is sustained by the Jatakas and its associated literature this continues in the countryside for a long period to come a long time to come you know modern education starts to become increasingly you know expands out the countryside and people are uh, gradually very gradually starts to replace monastic education but it takes quite a long time so the point is that these ideas although they're kind of rejected by the Thai court which is trying to present itself as a, as a modern monarchy and of course after the I of the absolute monarchy in 1932. Um, you know, the monarchy is really to large extent out of the picture, um, uh, uh, and, you know, before it's restoration at the end of the 1940s, uh, particularly the end of the 1950s. So I think what, what happens with the, really the restoration of the monarchy under King Pomupon is that you get to use a, sort of the, the Weberian idea, the, sort of a reenchantment of, of, of the monarchy with these religious ideas. And again, this is something that uh, Christine Gray has uh, written on very, very nicely. That um, all, all of this sort of pre-modern, uh, uh, these pre ideas that the Jardikas had uh, expressed is sort of revived from the about in the 1960s, and starts to kind of envelop, you know, the, the, the monarchy under King Pomipon, and really perhaps not so much the monarchy, but the person, the monarch, King Pomipon himself. Um, the ideas of the king as as, as a bodhisatt, as a future Buddha, becomes is revived, and I think this needs to be looked at quite carefully because, of course, I think the monarchy, um, the way that the image handlers, if you like, um, uh, uh, manage the manage the, the the monarchy's public relations, if you like, it does change over time. So we see early on he's you know he's the development king, or firstly you know he's the jazz king, the kind of the cool. Modern guy, he's a sportsman, he's a painter, he's a bit of a Renaissance man. Um, Later on, he's a he's a development king. You know, he's out there, you know, trying to develop the countryside. Uh, He has a very um, during the Cold War period, he's almost always in military uniform. So there is that sort of um, uh, that martial element um, that is uh, promoted in the you know the fight against communism um but but even during this period you you getting a much more the religious conceptions start to be emphasized more and more and i think in the in the 1990s with the end of the cold war that these sort of come to the fore even more strongly um and the king himself as i discuss in the book uh in his you might sort of say his kind of uh his 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 writerly phase he goes through this phase where he starts writing books um, which become, you know, they're endlessly promoted, of course. Um, and the one of the most famous ones was his book on uh, the uh, uh, Mahajanaka Jataka. The Mahajanaka the Mahajanaka Jataka, Pama um in Thai, is one of the the last ten uh, Jataka stories. So the the last ten Jataka Jataka stories are the famous ones. So the Visanta Jataka is the very last one. The Mahajanaka Jataka, I think it's the fifth or the sixth one and um, so it's again it's a story of the bodhisattva and uh, this story it's of a king who is exiled from his kingdom and he wants to you know return to his kingdom and reclaim the throne um, this you know each of those 10 jatakas the final 10 jatakas are supposed to express one of the, 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 the 10 perfections this is based on this the buddhist theory of the 10 perfections the 10 parami and in this book is the perfection of perseverance you know trying hard um, and so he 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 writes this book. So basically, he is essentially, um, you know, presenting himself. As I say in the book, it's essentially an allegory of his own reign um, as a as a modern Bodhisattva. Uh, it's quite a remarkable thing. Um, and I think what if you if you look at the the immense, extraordinary um, sort of charismatic authority that the king was able to. Uh, a mass, really, particularly in the sort of the, the the latter decade of his reign, which we're sort of seeing now in the outpourings of grief and, uh, and mourning following his his, his death. I, I think it really is a uh, a product of the way that the monarchy has been um, really has has has, has, has sort of reconnected with these these Buddhist roots uh, by which the the king is not not a modernising. Well, I guess that's in there as well. Um, but but he, he is this you know pious uh, perfect being a future Buddha. I think that comes out quite 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 clearly. Um, you know, we can sort of see that that idea quite clearly um, since uh, since his passing away, if not um, before.
0: Well, that response really brings me to one of my final questions, um, or perhaps it's a, a request of sorts. We probably hopefully have some undergraduate and graduate students listening and maybe some of yours as well, Patrick. If you were to hold up this text uh, as an example of um, Southeast Asian studies history and make a pitch to students about what we can learn about Southeast Asia today through study of its past, um, a history of the present as it were, then what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, particularly from a student point of view, uh, a lot of the way we sort of understand Southeast Asia is seen through the lens of of the mass media, and they have their job, and we can't, you know, they're doing their job. But it it tends to be dominated by, I guess, a a rather... uh, the way the West, I guess, sort of sees, sees monarchy in this case. And what I wanted to show in the book is that I wanted to kind of Try and reveal the way uh, sort of an indigenous an indigenous understanding of monarchy to see how you know people within this this particular country understands uh, monarchy, and that's not to you know kind of say that that's the only way of seeing it, but I think we, we should understand how people within these countries understand these things uh, on you know on, on their own terms as one factor in explaining you know uh, explaining how how the the Thai monarchy. Of all, I mean, if you think about the Thai monarchy in by comparison with, with you know monarchies around the world, it is extraordinarily successful, uh, has been. H- how can we explain this? Um, now, that's, that's that would be a long answer, but I think you can't understand it unless you understand part of the explanation. I would say is, is understanding how you know, people within this country understand, and I'd say to do that, you need to understand this uh, this, this 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 Buddhist theory of monarchy on which it's based.
0: I felt in reading the text like you were in some ways, you weren't saying this, but perhaps implying that if someone approached the study of uh, contemporary politics in Thailand through the lens of, say, uh, Weberian or Marxist uh, theory, then they're likely to misapprehend what they see and that uh, an appreciation of uh, current events is is contingent on some understanding of of pre-modern Buddhist political theories, indeed you, you refer to the monarchy in Thailand as superficially modernised. Would you care to comment on that?
1: Yeah, uh, th- thanks for po- pointing that out. I-, I think one of the things that developing countries have to do is to present themselves, to make themselves look acceptable in the eyes of, of more powerful uh, you know, powers, which to a certain extent you know set the frameworks by which these countries, you know. Operate and and I think you know the the Thai monarchy has been very successful in, in, in doing this, in presenting themselves as this as you know, sort of these modern monarchs. In as I say, according to the kind of the European model, um, but the older this older understanding, I think it, it's never gone away because it has such deep roots. I mean, it just goes back you know 800 years, and arguably, I mean, if you look at the, the Buddhist tradition prior to that, it, in Southeast Asia, you can see these ideas there. I mean, they're old representations of body shutters, you know, in stone going back to, I think, the fifth or the sixth century of the common era. These are ancient ideas and they don't just go away, you know, uh, over the course of, you know, a few decades of, of European, you know, colonial, you know, I think, quite intensive uh, penetration. That they're, they're, they're still there, um, perhaps not in, in the same form, but, but we have to understand that I, I think you need to kind of get, Beyond that sort of superficial presentation of of the monarchy in this case, not just the monarchy, there are other institutions you can look at, and just look at the, the you know the the, the 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 ideas within these societies on which these institutions are are based.
0: Right. I'm aware that you've been doing some work in more recent times on lineages of republican thought in Thai political culture. So is the sequel to this book on the theory of monarchy going to be the theory of republicanism or maybe flora and fauna of the Characters or something else?
1: Yeah, uh, maybe it was a reaction against uh, working for such a long time on, on monarchy. And also a reaction, of course, against the way that Thailand is, is is always presented as this, you know, deeply monarchical country where you know everyone loves the king, etc., etc. And it's out there for anyone to discover that Thailand actually has a very old tradition of republicanism. I would argue, you know, one of the oldest traditions of republicanism in Southeast Asia, and uh, it, it was you know it was popular really up until not, not so long ago. And it's really been during the reign of, the, of this king where that tradition, that old tradition, has been really successfully, largely successfully uh, suppressed. Uh, but yeah, it's still around. There are sort of Republican websites I see now. And of course, part of the crisis of the last 10 years has been due to, uh, uh, or claims on the part of the, the, the royalists, that uh, there is a plot to overthrow the monarchy. So this idea of republicanism within modern Thailand has, has never really. On away, but so I, I have done some work on republicanism, but, but I'm actually I've actually moved on to something a little bit different. I'm very interested in ideas of uh, proper behaviour, proper behaviour, manners, morality. So that's uh, that the project that I'm uh, not not a million miles away from from from, uh, from the theory of monarchy, uh, but looking much more at um, uh, uh, ideals of individual behaviour, not just for you know, monarchs or aristocrats, but for uh, for everyday people.
0: What time period are you concentrating on? for that
1: I'm um, looking at the period. I, I want to write uh, something which, again, it, it's a, it's, it, I guess, it's part of this whole interest in modernisation that I haven't sort of lost interest in. So, from again the late the late nineteenth century up until the period of economic modernisation. So, I guess from the '60s to the 1980s. In which sort of ideas of uh, how to behave undergo quite interesting transformations.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Patrick Jory, thanks a lot for taking the time to come onto new books in Southeast Asian Studies to talk about Thailand's theory of monarchy, the Wasantara Jataka, and the idea of the perfect man.
1: Thank you. It's been a
0: pleasure. And again, just to note that the paperback also will be out in 2017, as I understand. So, uh, everyone do get a copy. And if you have a suggestion for another book or an author that you'd like featured on this podcast, do send me an email at nick.cheesman, that's C-H-E-E-S-M-A-N, at anu.edu.au to let me know. <laughs> Hey, thank God she get to vote the boat.